Um, for, for Hyde's and I, Heidi's my wife, um, if I was to describe our marriage over the years of ministry, we went from broken to um, robust, and I'll tell you that in a moment, to, to hopefully a place where, I don't want to say that we're strong, because um, that scripture that says, when you stand, take heed lest you fall. But I think if, if you were to ask my wife how we are, in, in both in our marriage, but also in our place of ministry today, after 30-something years, 36 years, I think she would say we are good. And by good, I think she would mean that we are, we are um, strong in the Lord and happy. And I think it's important that when we talk about um, having a home front or a home base that is strong, it must be happily strong, not just strong. Um, I, I remember when, when we got through the broken stage, I asked um, Steve Wimble, and many of you all know Steve. Um, Steve, how do you see um, Heidi and I? Now, so we were probably in our mid, th no, late 30s at that stage, somewhere around there. And Steve's, you know how Steve, you know, takes a moment to think, and then he gives you his one-word wise answer, and he says, I think of you and Heidi as robust. I was like, I didn't really like that. I had to think about it, and I, because that gave me the feeling like we've been through some battles and we've got through them, and now we're just strong. But strong for me is like ugly, like a tank is strong. I don't want to be a tank. A tractor is strong. I don't want to be a tractor. Um, do you know what I'm saying? So we went through the place of being strong and. And I think that by the grace of God, um, we're happy. So we're happily strong. So what I want to do tonight is share four principles, and, and they're not the exhaustive list of principles for a strong, happy home. But, but they're, they're true to us. Four principles and then six areas of application. And I'll just give a there are notes. By the way, please forgive me. I gave my preaching notes, not the, not the edited version. So, so I'm so sorry. You have my preaching notes. Um, the first principle, which Mally spoke about, is the principle of self-discipline, the principle of training. Now, Mally referred a lot to uh, Paul's relationship with Timothy and 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, do yourself a favor sometime. It will honestly be worth it. Read the 10 chapters of 1 and 2 Timothy and distinguish what Paul was um, directing Timothy to do in the church and what Paul was speaking to Timothy personally about. Do yourself that favor, honestly. Underline everything that was a personal instruction to Timothy because it all deals with self-discipline. It all deals with, with, with training. It all deals with self-control. You will be staggered at how much of those 10 chapters Paul is not speaking to the church or about what Timothy should do to the church. He's talking about what Timothy needs to implement in his own life. Jonah chapter 2 has a very interesting verse. It says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could have been theirs. That's a scary verse. 
that God, have, God could have ordained grace for your life. And because of the clinging to worthless idols, which is the opposite of, of self-discipline, you can forfeit that grace. The second principle is the principle of rhythm and routine. Now, now, some of you will say, oh, that's not that important. My wife falls into that category. She, she, rhythm and routine for Heidi are, are not that important. She is so flexible. She's so adaptable. She's so uncomplicated. But for many of us, rhythm and routine are really important. They, 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 they take away a lot of the guesswork of ministry. They, they remove a lot of the uncertainty of ministry. See, before I was involved in the building of church, I was building houses. And, and for those of you that are involved in building, there is so much routine. Site, you get on site at a certain time. The, the, you, you finish work at a certain time. You, there is a way that you build. You start with a foundation, then you put the slab, then you build the walls, then you put the roof on. You can't put the roof on first. There is a rhythm and a routine to building. And... For me personally, it, it's been a very helpful uh, principle to find my rhythm and routine. Let me say one thing about that. Your rhythm or your routine is something that needs constant readjusting as the shape and the space of your life changes. And so when, you, when, you, when Hards and I planted a church, uh, as uh, Andili said, I was 27, our children were small, um, the rhythm of life was affected by small kids and, and having to, to uh, be a part-time church planter. But then we went full-time and the kids got older, and, and so the rhythm changed again. And, and, and you have to constantly readjust what that rhythm looks like. And by the way, it's never ideal. See, you don't live in a perfect world, and you don't live by yourself. So if, if, if my rhythm is just me, well, it would look like this. I'd get up at half past five. I'd, I'd prep and study till eight o'clock because my brain's freshest in the morning. Then from eight to nine, I'd do admin. From nine to two, I'd meet with people. From two to half past three, I'd gym because that's like with my dead time. Can't do anything. Then from half past three to about half past five, it's funny, I get a second wind. I get another surge. So I try and pray again in the afternoon and study again in the afternoon. Then we have people around from, say, six to, well, ideal world. Six to eight o'clock, they would leave at eight o'clock. All our meetings would end at eight o'clock so that I could have one hour of just calming down, then a bath, and I'd be in bed by half past nine. That's my ideal rhythm. Man, I'd flourish with that. But it just doesn't happen. So, so find your rhythm. Principle number three is sustainability. Let me say one thing about that. Don't raise your bar so high for yourself that you end up uh, of, of these areas of discipline that you've said, I, I, I need discipline there, I, I need discipline there, I need discipline there, I need a rhythm there. Don't raise the bar so high that you get it right in one area and completely discard it in all the others. Rather have a bar in all the areas, family, devotional life, finances, uh, um, personal time. Rather have a bar that's, that's achievable across all of them. And the fourth principle, what was the fourth principle? The fourth principle, which was touched on so well by Richie, uh, he used different words, is the principle of personal grace. In other words, those of you that have been on a mission will have heard this. 
you, you drive, you, you get in the car, you drive to, you know, 24 hours, you get to Harare, you, they, they make you preach like nonstop, okay, for, for three days. Then you drive back for 24 hours, and the first person you meet when you get home says, oh, did you have a nice break? I just want to throttle them. Um, and then, and then they, you know, like they see you at gym at half past two. Oh, so you have the afternoons off. Oh, yeah, but you guys only work one day a week. And don't you just hate ah, those comments? They just rattle you on the inside. And you know what? For those of us who are in ministry, we, we live in a glass bowl, a fishbowl, sorry. We live in a fishbowl. So do our kids and so does our wife. And, and while we, we must live wisely, we must not live guilty. Serious. So, could put that in different words. Don't be stupid. Don't, don't you know, do things that, that just give people the opportunity to criticize and point fingers at you. Okay? But understand this, that people will always do that. And, and so, so, give yourself some grace. Seriously, give yourself some grace. And, and understand that, you know, I am going to go to gym at half past two to, to, to four o'clock because it's, it's dead time for my brain, first of all. And secondly, I, had, I do something with people every single night, but people don't know that. So just give yourself some grace with ministry. I wish I was like Richie and could just not take myself so seriously, but I just do. So um, I, I just have to give myself grace. So I hope those four principles help you, and there are many, many more. Now, I'd like to just mention six areas to apply those principles, and there are many other areas, and, and it's pretty uh, um, clear in my notes because those are the preaching notes, um, as I said. But I'm just going to possibly pick one thing out of each of those six. And so the first area to apply uh, this discipline, this rhythm and routine is, is your personal devotional life. And Mally has said a lot about that, and, and Richie spoke about it in his first point, and, and I, I'm sure Grant is going to touch on it. The importance of, of um, discipline and rhythm and routine in our devotional life. But let me just make one comment. Second Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 9, there's this little phrase uh, about God supplying seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the context is finance. However, that scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 54, and the context of Isaiah 54 is not finance, but it's about seeking God's word. And so if you read Isaiah 54, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. A few verses later it says, For my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return without first watering the earth, so that it may bud and flourish, providing seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Beautiful scripture, isn't it? It's about the Word. Your devotional life as a leader, as a church planter, is primarily twofold. It's a devotional life that is personal, and it's a devotional life that, that is about your leadership role. In other words, your approach to, to God's Word, to, to waiting on Him and to prayer is at times 
seed for the sower, and at times it's food for the eater, bread for the eater. And you need to distinguish between the two. And, you, and, and we need to incorporate both in our lives. You, you see, you can't, just, you can't just have a devotional life that is bread for the eater, all about you. If you do that, you, you will preach wonderful, hearty, warm, emotional uh, messages that people love, but they have no vision and no, vision and no direction. Will, you're basically giving them what God gave you to eat. But if you just focus, which I think tends to happen, if you just focus on the second part where our whole devotional life is about, about preparing messages, about seed for the sower, what you'll end up doing is you'll end up bringing wonderful revelation and direction and vision, but it will lack grace and it will lack life and it will lack love. So a comment just about the first area then of uh, uh, area is the area of devotional life. Point number two, or the second area of application, and, and you might think this is strange, but honestly, I think it's a lifesaver, is, is discipline and rhythm in the area of health and hobbies. You heard Mally speak about his ministry taking A break where he had a burnout. So often, uh, we have to take a break from leadership or ministry because our soul is not doing well. Our theology is good. Our efforts are good. Our, our leadership skills are good. But we don't take care of our souls. In, in 3 John 1... Uh, John writes this, this beautiful verse to his friend Gaius, and he says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is doing well. Isn't that a beautiful verse? He's talking about, he's talking about a, a wellness or a prosperity that, that affects your health, your soul, and your activities. And he's saying, I pray that there may be wellness in this. So let me say one thing about health. What's your weight? What's your exercise? And watch what you eat. It's really important. And I look at some of you guys are, are quite young. Um, and you think, no, 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 that's, that's yours to No, friends. Your health is so important. Your physical health. And then secondly, your soul health. I heard a message that, that disturbed me for many years. And I heard it when we first planted. And it was a noble message. Uh, and it was a noble concept. But, but the guy said this. He said, um, you may have to give up a hobby. You, you may have to give up some, some activities, uh, um, in your, you know, some personal activities for the sake of the ministry. It's noble, but can I say this, friends? Sometimes that's wrong. Because I think that having a hobby, having some interest that is completely outside of ministry, honestly can be a lifesaver. 
And I know that it can be abused, and I know that you can, you know, it, it can cost too much, and particularly if it's golf, for those of you who like golf, that's really bad because it wastes a whole Saturday. Whereas something like motorbikes is quick. It's just like an hour and a half, you know. But friends, here's the thing. My wife sends me to the motorbike track. When, when she sees my soul spaces, love, you need to go to gym. That's the first one. Love, have you exercised today? Go and exercise. And then if that's not working, love, please go ride your motorbike. She tells me to because that hobby is, is one of the things that, I don't know, it recharges my soul battery. And you might think that's an unspiritual thing. I tell you, friends, it's, it's really important. Might be woodwork, might be golf, might be canoeing. That's really dangerous. Whatever it is. But seriously, don't, don't lose your hobbies and your interests. Point number three is the area of marriage. And I don't want to say too much about this because uh, we know that this thing is so important. We know that, that, that our marriage. Friends, adultery is an instant disqualifier to ministry. You know, there are some things that slow you down. There are some things that, that just make you, make you hold back for a while. But, but adultery is an immediate disqualifier for ministry. And so th that is a whole subject in itself. And, and uh, uh, Richie Pratt said earlier on, be ruthless with sin. But friends, there's, there's something else regarding our marriage. You see, an unhappy and an unhealthy marriage of a leadership couple also it's like the smog over a city that slowly chokes it chokes the community to death honestly friends I, 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 this is not just a sermon on its own it's a series on its own your marriage and um if i can just say some of the things that hards and i have have really made uh, important Values and practices. It's the practice of intimacy. I'm not just talking sex, because sex is, by the way, is a very small part of intimacy. It's not intimacy, it's a small part of it. And, and for, for us, intimacy is, is very much about our communion and our sharing and our, and our safety with each other and our, our nakedness emotionally uh, with each other. I got home this afternoon, and I was meant to be prepping for now. Um, but I walked into the house, and Heidi had been dreaming about changing the kitchen. She normally dreams about stuff like that. You know, most guys, they think they're pretty good at DIY when they can hang a picture. No. Heidi, my wife's DIY is, is, love, can you knock down this wall, and can you build something? Over? Not can you hang a picture. That's like. No. So I get home this afternoon, and she, I can see that she's, she's got the paper out. She's redrawn the kitchen. So, guys, I'm not talking about move a cupboard. I'm talking about knock walls down, okay? And, and everything inside me wants to love. Um, but you know what? I had to hear her dream. I had to hear what was important for her. And I honestly don't think that seven minutes of listening would have made any difference to tonight. But, but intimacy is really, it's about hearing and hearing what's important to her, and hearing dreams. And, and when that thing stops, that's, that's a serious indicator. 
Another practice that HIDES have and I have, which is really important, is, is our weekly planning and our daily check-in. And so every morning, HIDES and I, somewhere in the, in the morning, uh, around about 7 o'clock, we'll just take our diaries out and go through the day. You think that's pretty mundane. Do you know that it saves our marriage? It saves a lot of arguments. It saves a lot of, I forgot to tell her, which is the normal thing. Okay. Our weekly planning, of, of we plan to about 10 days in advance of who we're having, who we're seeing, what's going on, who we need to see. And, and that's it's lifesaver stuff for us. The next point where we exercise uh, discipline and routine is with our children. And um, you just have to look at the example of Eli, the example of David, the example of Solomon, and you realize how important it is for our children in ministry. I'd like to leave you with two questions. What do you do for your children that church is happy for them? And what do you do as church planters and leaders, particularly for the church, that they're happy with your children? You get those two questions? What do I do to my child, my children, that they have a happy appreciation of church? And then secondly, what do I need to do with my, kid, with my kids so that the church is happy with them? Because honestly, some of the couples I've seen just put leadership on hold for 20 years until your kids are grown up because they are such brats. You're never, never going to j- just wait until they're grown up and left home. Point number five, I'll just leave that one for you to think about. Because you touch somebody's kids, you really touch them. But you need to think that thing through very, very carefully. Point number five is your space. Now, your space would be your home, your house, your garden, your study. For me, my garage, that's, my, that's the space. Is that area calming? Is it clean? Is it neat? Is it inviting? Or is it just a mess that... Some of you are smiling. Okay. A huge part of your leadership, of your ministry, is going to be having people in your home. That's a huge part of it. You're going to have people in your home all the time. Whether you want to or not, you're going to have people. And by the way, your home is is such a vital tool uh, in your ministry toolbox. But ask yourself this question. Going to have tons of people through my home. Is my wife going to cope? Is she going to cope financially? Do Do I... you know, keep her on that budget and just keep on inviting people through and expect her to somehow miraculously find the budget? Is she going to cope financially? Is she going to cope practically? You know, I, it's fine for me to invite 20 people over and then I just, hop uh, said, I just disappear and go to sleep and she has to clean up. Practically? What about the children? When, when, how is she going to cope with all of this and the children? You need to think these things through. Last point, I want to say this. I think it's one that we neglect so much as friendships. You can be a shepherd, an isolated shepherd with tons of sheep all around you, never alone, but very lonely. Invest in your friendships. And as time goes by, the means of banking, if I can use that, the means of banking with friendships will change. But don't ever stop the investment. You've got some good friendships that God has given you, good people around you. Don't lose those. Don't wake up 15 years down the track and realize you haven't spoken to your friend. You haven't seen them. And that friendship is, is, is just got very thin. Anyway, guys, I've shot through a lot of different things. 
I hope it's helpful. I hope, if anything, it's, it's just spurred you and sparked you to think of how you can create a home, particularly for your wife and your children, that is, that is strong but also very happy.